This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible-reading, gun-toting, Air Force veteran, wife and mom, righteously American. Welcome. Welcome to the program. Guess what? As usual, super, super busy. And so we had a fantastic day today. In fact, one of the things that happened that I want to kind of share with you before we even get any further into the show is we had a speaking engagement this morning. It was actually me and two of the girls and we just... We were just killing it, guys. We I went up and I did a short speech. I was also the MC for this event that was hosted by Thrive St. Louis. And we just had a fantastic time. So I guess one of the things... Um, oh, turn my mic down a little bit. Okay. Um, and is this the right one? Um, so, okay, good. So one of the things that happened today is we had this speaking engagement. We were there. It was fantastic. Um, and during the speech or during after my portion, Bridget Van Means got up and she was talking about the fact that so many people in America have these wonderful what she calls vintage values and the vintage values that that people have are actually kind of going by the wayside because the people who have the vintage values who should be telling everybody about them instead are kind of keeping it hidden. And so... What we need to do is speak about those so-called vintage values and make them modern values again. Things that work should never be cast aside, right? You don't go to your workplace and when someone innovates or if someone's using a traditional method, let's, let's go there. Someone's using a traditional method of doing something that you do in your business. You don't say to that person, hey, uh, don't use that method anymore. It works, but we don't want to use it because it's, you know, it's racist, they would say, what does racism have to do with getting the job done? This gets the job done. Let's keep using it. That is what we have to say with the values that we hold. And so when she was making that point, it brought me around to this show. Uh, why, why would I keep going after, you know, everything that's gone on with the contract termination and everything? And, you know, I let's face it. I could just stay home and, uh, you know, we could cut our budget back a little bit and we would survive and we'd be perfectly fine and I could, you know, go back to having lunch with my girlfriends two or three times a week and volunteering obsessively at the kids' school. Well, actually, we just have one high schooler left, so she'd probably be so sick of seeing me down at the front desk. But I could be there volunteering and that could be it. Why why keep pushing forward with this? Why keep doing this? Well, there's a culture out there that needs to be saved, but not by me. I'm not the savior of our culture. I'm only telling you what you already know. I'm only reiterating and emphasizing what we already know as a people, which is that some things work. Capitalism, when it's properly reined in, it works. Traditional family morals and values, they work. Reading the Bible, studying the word of God, operating in a true Christian faith, that works. What doesn't work? Focusing on the things that are different about us. You're too tall, you're too fat, you're, you're, too, you're too tan, you're too black, you're too white. You, you, the you're too white one is, is really a thing that's in vogue right now. Like it's so popular to point at white people and just blame them just because you see a white person walking by, well, it's their fault you don't have whatever it is you don't have. And that kind of brings us to the subject matter for today. We're talking today on the show, we have these two subjects. First of all, Righteously American. If you're hearing our intro music and you're thinking, wow, that was pretty cool, Thanks to Noah and Kyle for putting that together, doing the voiceover work, finding the music, because I was looking for something edgy and fun, and they, they hit it right on the head. Righteously American. Why would I choose that tagline? Well, because it is all of a sudden okay to say to people, well, you're an American. We're Americans. We have a lot to pay for. We have, uh, we have you know, made a lot of mistakes in our past. Who hasn't? What country hasn't? But the point that President Trump made over the weekend that he's been doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on is that some cultures work better than others. And so, again, I go back to that, what Bridget Van Meen said today, vintage values. Why would you throw out something that works? That's like going to, you know, a piece of equipment that works like your car and your car works great. And you go up to it and you 
lift up the hood and then you don't know anything about cars. You're about the same place where I am with cars. And you take whatever tools you have in your garage and just start dismantling the engine and throwing stuff out. And anyone who's nearby would say, what are you doing? What, what, is there something wrong with your car? And you say, well, there's nothing really wrong with it except my car's racist. My car's racist. So I'm going to take this racist stuff out of it. It has a, it is, you know, the stuff inside the engine, some of it's white. I'm going to take everything in the engine that's white out. You would tell that person they were a fool. And anybody else who had an interest in that car, like let's say the lender, if it had a car note on it, would say, oh my goodness, let's, <laughs> we got to stop this person from destroying this thing because we are underwriting the loan on this and she's destroying our collateral. Do you understand? That is what we see happening with our culture right now. We have people who don't know Jack Ola about running a country like Ilhan Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, unsuccessful people. I mean, Omar married her own brother, for goodness sakes. Ocasio-Cortez has never actually had a mortgage. She's not married. She doesn't have any kids. And that doesn't mean if, if you're unmarried or you've never had kids or maybe you're a renter that you're not successful, but I'm saying for someone who wants to go into Congress and represent a congressional district of hundreds of thousands of people and have a say in how we run this whole country, someone who's raining down prognostications of doom and gloom on us as Americans because she knows better than we do with her little 30-something-year-old self, how can she fix her mouth to tell me anything? No mortgage. She's never had to sit down and say, okay, here's my bills. And then as she's considering the bills and what cuts to make and what decisions she's got to make that month, she also sees little people walking by, running by, or hears their voices in the next room and thinks, okay, we might have to move. We, we might not be able to send the kids back to their favorite school this fall. We might not be able to take that vacation we promised the kids. We might not be able to do something that we said we were going to do for these kids or or. Even more pressing, because a lot of families, they're not, it's not a, a vacation they're deciding about. It's, hey, can, can we even afford to, can we afford to do the basics? We got to juggle these bills and we're going to pay the electric bill a little bit late. But as long as we catch it before the shutoff, these are the decisions people are making. And she's sitting up with her really fancy clothes and her Justice Democrat backing trying to tell us something. And the fact that the president called her out on it, that he called all four of them out on it, Ayanna Presley. Tlaib, whatever her name is, Rashida Tlaib, he called them out on it. And people, Republicans, are actually shying away from saying, well, it's inconvenient. But you know he's telling the truth because we all feel like that. We are all tired of hearing from them. We're tired of them flapping their gums. They don't know anything. They're no-nothings. They're the nincompoops and ne'er-do-wells I've been railing about who are in charge of us. This is what happens when good people with brains that work sit back and say, well, I, you know, I can't, I can't serve or I don't want to serve or what have you. And I understand it. I understand wanting to put your family first, but there are better people out there who aren't serving because they don't want to be Kavanaugh. They don't want to be involved in a nasty process. And we still have to get, we have to get those people out and get them into serving our country. And so I'm, I'm going to just say, I'm going to say this just one more time righteously American. Why are we ashamed of being righteously American? Why are we ashamed of our biblical values, our roots? Why are we ashamed that we go to church on Sundays and we try our best to keep our mouths clean and not curse and, or, or that we have standards that we, we actually want our children to marry Americans. And I don't mean anything about this isn't racial. This isn't me saying, I don't want my kids to marry someone who's not permanently tanned or we want someone to marry our child who has American culture and Christian values. What is wrong with saying that? The more silent we are, the more outrageous it becomes when someone speaks the truth. And that is what we're seeing. The backlash from the Republicans. I, I can't believe I saw Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott, actually calling President Trump's comments racial. He didn't say anything racial, you guys. President Trump was talking about culture. And I can tell you, as a black mom, as someone, our, all three of our kids are black. My husband's black for those haters who love to act like I have my husband's white, which again, what would be wrong with that? If he loved me and I was in love with him and we got married and we had kids, what would be wrong with my husband being any other ethnic background that shows the racism of the left that they accuse me of being married to someone who's not the same ethnic background as me as if that's an insult. That's no insult. It, 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 I can marry whoever I want. I'm an American. Before I get way off. It's culture. 
I can tell you, it doesn't matter that we're black, that I don't want my kids bringing home anybody who dresses like, you know, they've been watching too many Rihanna videos. And, you know, bob your head to Rihanna's music. Enjoy it. This isn't about whether or not you listen to it. It's about the culture that she promotes, the culture that ye promotes. You know, he talks about wanting to have intercourse with his sisters-in-law. That's what you want to bring home to your family? Good on you, but not over here. We're hoping for something better. We're praying for something better. We're teaching our kids for something better. The spouse that we want to see them bring home is someone who's God-fearing, who loves this country, who intends on working hard and living clean and trying to replicate and do better than their own parents did. Our kids better than we've done. So the title of the show today is Black Ownership is Down Because of Culture, Godlessness, and Democrats. And remember, yesterday when I mentioned this on the show, I said there's so much more to this. And I decided we, we, it's, there is so much more to it. Let's discuss it. Black culture is part of the reason why home ownership is down. Because if you listen to the music that's prevalent in black neighborhoods, black communities, the music talks about rapping uh, its rap music about slinging drugs and going up against the man and killing police officers. It's not about owning homes, saving money, investing in the stock market. So you might say, well, you know, play devil's advocate. White kids listen to that too. Yeah, yeah, white kids listen to rap music for fun. But around the dinner table, their parents are teaching them about balance sheets and investing. And if those are not the kinds of conversations you're having with your kids, I don't care what your ethnic background is, then your culture is not where it should be. If you want your children to be financially responsible and eventually partake of the wealth of this country through home ownership, which is the primary method by which people gain wealth in this country. It's that and small business ownership. So if black culture focuses on the size of women's rear ends and the amount of, you know, physical gyrations a person can make with their body to music, um, sexual intercourse outside of marriage, baby mamas, drinking alcohol, driving fast cars that you have to steal because you can't afford to buy them. If that is the culture, how dare anyone, I don't care if you're a liberal, you're brown, you're polka dotted, you're a zebra type skin person. I don't care what you look like. How dare you justify that and say that that's good cultural values and that those are norms that other people with a permanent tan should emulate. You're a part of the problem. And you're also probably a Democrat. And and that's what makes Democrats, they have so much fun poking at Republicans because we tend to just tell the truth about it. Or we just sit back quietly and watch the carnage as Democrats control black communities across this country. And Chicago, it's a killing field. Not all of Chicago, mind you, just the part where the black people live. St. Louis, killing field, number one per capita murder rate. Not where the white people live where the Democrats are in charge of the black folks and they have them all corralled in and doing a little bit of Section 8 doling out of the money from the government and keeping them there so they, you know, kill at will, just kill people who look like yourself, black people. We don't have policies that work for you. Remember when those emails came out? Donna Brazile and others over at uh, the DNC talking about black policies. They don't work on the policies don't work on black people. The black community doesn't respond to policy. Well, if your culture is a dumpster fire, then, of course, government programs aren't going to fix that. You could give every black community in this country a billion dollars and hand it out in cash or checks or bonds or whatever else you want to do. You could get everybody a new house. You could get everybody a new car, turn everybody's cable on, and you would still have killing fields and all kinds of hellish, just pit behavior because the culture is rotten and stinking to heaven. And just saying it brings down condemnation and calls of racism. And I can tell you, you can call me a racist. Nobody cares about black people more than I do. That's why I'm willing to tell the truth. And so every single time these metrics come out, every single time they come out, it's the black community that is on the downswing and everybody else is on the upswing. Even the illegals are doing better. Blacks who immigrate into America from every other part of the world who are not ADOS, American descendants of slaves, they come in here and they kill it. Whether they come in here well-educated, and a lot of them do. Or if they're coming in here and they have almost nothing to their name, they start driving a taxi cab and the next thing you know, their kids are going to Harvard. (laughs) You know, 
So it's not that America is so horrible. It's not horrible at all. It is the land of riches, milk and honey and opportunity. And Democrats have convinced and tricked black people into believing that that's not true so they can fail and still vote for the Democrats. Don't get mad at me for telling you the truth. We'll be right back. My mother was always very active and independent and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. If you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. First, I hold my hands out like they're on a steering wheel. Then I look over my shoulder. One, okay, cool guy. Two, three times. Next, oh, I put it in reverse. Meep, meep, meep. Then I take it up and down, up, up, and down. And that, kiddos, is called the forklift. Dance like a dad. It's a great way to make a moment with your kids. Now that's dancing. Sure beats flossing. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hey, everybody. Rachel Ray here. Nothing brings a bigger smile to my face than cooking up a big meal for the whole family and lots of friends. But there's not enough room at my table for the 17 million kids in our country who struggle with hunger. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks collects surplus food to give hope to hungry kids. But they can't do it without your help. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Melissa from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Hey, welcome back, everybody. So we've had some questions about the PSAs that are running in between. And we're still following a clock because we have uh, affiliates that are picking up the show. And so they're picking it up in the same format that it was in originally when we were syndicated through another, you know, syndicator. So um, so that's what that's about. I really want to say thanks to people who are sticking around and hanging in with us as we are figuring things out. I've learned so much stuff like you guys last night, me and my husband were at Guitar Center buying chords and I was like double checking what my husband had picked up and he looked at me. And I could tell he was thinking, how are you going to double check me? Because he's, you know, he's tech savvy. He knows all the tech stuff. But I was trying to make sure we were buying the right chords. <laughs> so he just looked at me and instead of like cutting me down, he just, he looked and he smiled and he was like, these are the right ones. 
<laughs> so anyway, I'm I'm doing it, you guys. It's happening. Okay. So it's awesome. And we have PSAs right now, which that's what you're hearing. And you probably often hear PSAs when you're listening to the radio, you and you don't even pay attention to them. But when you hear a different PSA, you're like, what what is that they're talking about? So the PSAs are public service announcements and they talk about things that, you know, are great, like family, parenthood, getting into the forest, not drunking and driving, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> We wouldn't have PSAs about bad stuff. You just heard me railing against bad culture in the last segment. So, you know, I'm real. You know, you know, I'm trying to keep it real here. Um, So welcome to the program. Don't forget to go to listen.stacyontheright.com. That is where you can find all of the previous episodes of this program. I also want to say thanks to people who are coming over maybe from Bot Radio Network, where I was guest hosting on Monday on one of their 30 minute programs, which is called Encounter. And I was able to interview Bridget Van Means on that program. And we also talked about uh, Christian worldview and what Christians want to know. Okay, so I, I said we would like, again, it's not that I'm angry specifically at any group of people, except the Democrats, really, and and their their godlessness, the, the fact that they just insist on continuing to hold a stranglehold on the black community without offering anything in return. When you vote for someone, it's transactional. You should get something for that vote. If the policies that they're peddling to you never give you a positive result, then you're voting for the wrong people. So let's say, let's, 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 let's do another hypothetical, although I don't deal in hypotheticals when arguing with liberals, get at my level. But for this instance, let's, let's, let's have an, uh, an allegory, okay? So let's say, my neighbor, and that's for the sake of this, not my real neighbor, but my neighbor has a job that he is hiring people for. And uh, maybe he has, let's say he has 10 positions. And I learned that I'm out of work. Funny how this analogy actually has a little bit of truth in it. I learned that I'm out of work. So when I learned that I'm out of work, I'm like, hey, um, wow, I need some, I need to get a job to replace my job. I need to get something to do. And I've been out interviewing and I've I've not gotten any callbacks. And then my neighbor says, hey, I am hiring for this job. So then one of the people that I know that, you know, that that I've done work with before or whatever comes and tells me, well, you can't go work for that guy. He's a racist. And then I say to them, well, funny, you should say he's a racist because he just stopped by my house. I'm his neighbor. I'm one of his neighbors. And he told me he heard I was out of work and that he had a job. He's hiring 10 positions and he wanted to let me know before he filled all the spots. And the person that I'm friends with says, yeah, but how can you go work for him? He's a racist. So I say, ah, I've never seen him be racist before. I've lived next to him all this time, but I know he's a racist, my my friend says. So I go back to the guy I was hiring and I interview for the job. We talk. He says, I know you're a neighbor, but this job, it pays this and you definitely are qualified and you can take this job. And I say, okay, I think I will. So I go work for him. And nothing racist has happened. In fact, I'm not really working with him at all because he's in charge and I don't work with him. I work, you know, with other people. And so day in and day out, I'm working there. Um, I'm getting treated like everybody else. There are other black people there. And eventually it comes time for me to get paid. You know, two weeks in, I get my paycheck. It is as described. The, you know, salary is what was described. The benefits are what was described. And the other person, that's my friend, keeps telling me how much of a racist they are. So I ask for proof and they say, well, you know, he has these posts on Facebook. So I go look, not my favorite Facebook posts, but definitely, you know, they're, they might be a little on the cutting edge. Um, but in the end, I'm kind of saying to my husband over the dinner table, yeah, he posted a couple things on Facebook, but I don't really care because I'm not his friend on Facebook. And also, I don't care what he posts on Facebook because if I don't look at Facebook, it's as if it doesn't exist. But my paycheck is real. Um, Oh my gosh, the biggest deer, like this deer has to be at least four and a half feet tall, just walked right, it's in my driveway. She's walking on by. I wish I was outside. Anyway, um, so the, the, the guy that's hired me, this man, this, this friend of mine told me he's a racist. He's convinced he's a racist. So the only thing I can do is either go by what I've seen or I can buy into what my friend has said and sit at home unemployed with nothing because this guy's a racist. So he could hire up 10 people and half of them could be black and they could all be working. And I'm just sitting at home licking my wounds and getting ready to apply for unemployment because, you know, he's a racist. That is what is happening with black people and the Democrats. 
Only the worst thing about it is in the description I just gave to you, the friend isn't actually doing anything bad to me because they've told me what they believe is true, but I can either believe it or choose not to believe it. And it doesn't really impact me unless I make an action based upon it. With black people in America and the Democrats, because the relationship has been intertwined for so many decades now, Democrats are not only lying about the Republicans being racist, but they're telling black people, you can't, you can't, you can't vote for school choice. Even though school choice, it helps black people. It helps get their kids out of failing schools into good schools. You can't believe in the free market economy, even though black people have fantastic ideas, just like every other uh, you know, racial group. Any person who has a fantastic idea who wants to start a company can go ahead and do it. Unless you're sitting at home watching CNN 24 hours a day. And when you're watching it, it basically is pressing down your ability. It's, it's suppressing your ability to act on, you know, that wonderful impulse you might have like, oh, you know what? I have this idea. I see a need in the marketplace and I need to go fill it. And, and this is where the rubber meets the road, people. When the Bible talks about my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, the lack of knowledge that you can see, if you want to see that scripture being played out every single day, talk to someone who the minute you say something about a Republican or Donald Trump, oh, they're all racist. Really, are they? How many Republicans do you know personally? How many how many people who voted for Donald Trump do you know that you're like, that person is a dyed-in-the-wool KKK wearing? Like, I literally saw them in a hood out in their front yard the other day. That person stuck a cross in my yard and set it on fire. Do we see that happening? Or do we just see the Democrats talking about it? So notice, instead of, because I keep going back to the fabulous four, <laughs> you know, you got... Ilhan Omar, she said things about Al-Qaeda. She refuses to denounce Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda are terrorists who have cut the heads off of Americans and other citizens from other Western allies. Al-Qaeda, they're the ones who we've been fighting them in the Middle East, and they've killed over 4,000 of our troops in uh, Afghanistan and I believe, you know, a similar number in Iraq. She can't fix her mouth, Ilhan Omar, to say, yeah, I denounce Al-Qaeda. Why? Because she's backed by the Muslim Brotherhood and they don't talk against their own. Yes, I said it. What you going to do? What will you do with what I just said? Will you let your skin get hot and get inflamed and get ticked off because I just said something you don't like? Or will you research and go watch the video from yesterday where they, the reporter asked her, will you denounce Al-Qaeda? In other words, he said you're a terrorist and you don't belong in this country. Denounce Al-Qaeda so that you can prove he's wrong. And she said, I will not justify that question with an answer. So she won't denounce it. It's so easy. If it was me, I would have said, yeah, I've been denouncing Al-Qaeda. I may wear the headscarf of oppression, but I don't believe in terrorism, obviously. I'm an American. She could have easily dispatched that at least given a talking point that the Democrats could use to rebut what the president has said. But what he's doing is text book. It's it comes right out literally out of the playbook. The election is just a year and a couple months away. And if the Democrats want the the four horsemen of idiocy, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Ayanna Presley. And AOC, occasional cortex, if, if they want those four to be the face of the Democrats, Donald Trump said, bring it on. Yeehaw. I'm on that horse. Giddy up. Let's do it. He's locked and loaded to make those four women the face of the Democrats because he won't even have to campaign hard. People who want America to at least be prosperous and at least be a place they can live in. See those four chicks and they're like, wow, one of them, Rashida Tlaib, called the president an obscene term. You guys know which one it was. She called him that and she's never been called on the carpet about it. And people are talking about him demeaning the office of the presidency. What about demeaning the office of Congress? Oh, I guess that's not really a thing since they have a slush fund so they can pay off all the people they're sexually harassing. So they don't have any, you know, office that they need to protect the reputation of. And people are worried about the office of the presidency. It will stand. The office of the presidency of the United States will survive the presidency of Donald Trump. Look, we're still here. We still have a president. And Barack Obama was the president. 
Barack Hussein Obama was the president of the United States for eight years. And we're all still sitting here just as happy as clams, you know, in the thick of it, just living our lives. So if we can survive Obama and we survived Jimmy Carter, we survived Bill Clinton, who couldn't keep his pants up long enough to govern this country. We'll definitely survive President Trump. In fact, we might actually thrive. How about that? So in, in, in the big scheme of things, we have Republicans who, goodness knows, they need some help with their strategy. Goodness knows they need to figure something else out besides running up, loading the air with these, these ads, these ridiculous, boring ads where there's a flag waving in the background and they're wearing a red sweater vest. Goodness knows they need some help with their campaigning for next year to try to win back the House of Representatives so they can give repealing Obamacare one more try. And they're actually getting mad at President Trump for saying what millions of Americans really believe. Americans are sick and tired of being told that we're horrible and that we're bad and that we're racist and that we're bigoted and that we just don't, we're not progressive and we don't understand how things work. Of course we know how things work. We have our alarm clock set for the crack of dawn. We're getting up and getting kids off to school and going to work. We have the stay at home moms in tow cranking out the future of this country. We're the ones who are fighting against abortion and infanticide and all kinds of other horrifying ills like human trafficking. We're the ones who understand what national sovereignty is. We're the ones who have last cracked our Bibles open most recently. We are the ones who are starting the businesses and doing the things that matter in this country. And for those of you who are Democrats who are also doing that, kudos to you. So glad you're here. Welcome to the welcome to the revolution, as it were, if revolution means going back to the basics. So every time Rashida Tlaib or Ilhan Omar or those other two open their mouths up, the president is going to take what they say, he's going to freeze frame it, and he's going to put it out in front of the public using his social media and his bully pulpit because he doesn't have to lie to win against those four. The Democrats, they're going to lie. They're going to lie about the border. They're going to lie about Obamacare. That's their baby, but they want to paint it as something the Republicans have gotten wrong. They're going to lie about every single issue because they're winning on nothing. They have no substantial ideas to increase the economy, to make more jobs available to Americans, to get government out of the way, to reduce our deficit. On every metric, they have failure. The only thing they're excited about is um, climate change, which is redistribution of wealth. And social issues. How can we get more men, testosterone-laden men, into girls' sports so they can wrestle and break the bones and, and, and break the faces of, of young girls who are wrestling and doing other sports and really excelling in their field? How can we put more women behind the eight ball from a, a gender-confused man who's growing his hair out and isn't even bothering to wear makeup and is beating the stuffing out of them at running or something else? How can we make more commercials for businesses that drive their primary core audience away? Like the, uh, the shaving ads that they've been doing where they've been vilifying men for liking to barbecue. If your husband doesn't like to barbecue, if you're, if you're dating a man or if you're, God forbid, living with a man for 10 years and he's not even close to asking you to marry him and he doesn't like to barbecue, you, that's what's wrong with your life. You need to get out of that house, stop shacking up. Purify yourself. In other words, just take some time off from dating altogether. Live by yourself for a while. Get your life together. And then the next man you meet who likes barbecuing and wants to put a ring on it instead of just bringing you home and taking everything you've got for free, now you're on the right path, honey. Now you're on the right path. And you can thank me later. I'm just telling you the truth. You're just giving your body away for free. You're getting used. And the man doesn't even barbecue for you. I mean, it's just so sad. (laughs) When when I look at the liberal women on Twitter, I have one on there. Uh, the president said, he tweeted this morning, wee hours of the morning, I was up this morning. I get kind of nervous when I have a speaking engagement and I get a little like, I have to get up early. So I went on a walk to try to simmer myself down. And then I, I went on Twitter and I noticed the president had tweeted out something. And let me just, I'm going to read it to you because you got to love this guy. He's on a roll and I I love it. He said, Our country is free, beautiful, and very successful. If you hate our country, or if you are not happy here, you can leave. And I said, I grew up overseas, and I've lived abroad, and I feel the same way. Thank you for expressing what millions of Americans have said. You know, um, America, love it or leave it. Something like that. That's why I tweeted. So then he said, so then someone tweeted me, well, your time overseas was wasted. Really? Really? First of all, I said, I tweeted her back. I said, you're welcome. 
Um, I served in the armed forces so you could have the right to tweet nonsense. You're welcome. And someone else said, she's right. I was like, where have you been? And, you know, and no offense to anyone who's never been outside of the country. It's not a requirement. But if you're going to come at me on, qu- on Twitter, c- get at my level. Have you been outside the country before? How can you say my time overseas was wasted when you've never left America? You probably haven't even ever left the county you live in. You maybe have never even been out of the state that you live in. But you're on Twitter with your little rainbow flags trying to tell me something. Nothing that I have ever done has been wasted. God takes even our mistakes and he uses them for our own good. But some little person on Twitter is going to tell me I I wasted nothing, honey. I was over there, you know, for you. I did that for you. You're welcome. All right. Be back after this, the last segment for today's show. (laughs) Stay there. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that our daughters have what they need to grow and learn. But that isn't the case for nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. that struggle with hunger. Childhood hunger is a heartbreaking reality that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and provides it to families and children in need. You can help kids in need in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Hi, everyone. Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that after 75 years, Smokey's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report. Like when it's dry or windy. Be careful burning yard waste, because wildfires can even start in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. In movies, when someone at a party jumps into a pool fully dressed, everyone cheers them on and jumps in too. Just so you know, in real life parties, nobody jumps in after you. You just look stupid. Come on, jump in. Come on. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you so much for being here. We we really, I want to push out a little bit of info to you. Um, the podcast, if you're looking for those, let's say you missed the live stream or, you know, for whatever reason, you're looking for something from a previous show. We do not currently have an archive of the videos outside of um, what's on Facebook and what's on YouTube. And we kind of take those lightly because we know that Facebook and YouTube are social media and they can just, you know, they can just 
kick us off at any time and we have no recourse. Uh, so we do have the live stream window over at StacyOnTheRight.com, but those are not archived. But the audio is. So you can turn that on on demand. You can go back and listen to a show from earlier this year when I interviewed um, the MyPillow guy, the CEO of MyPillow, or Dr. Larry Pillow. I interviewed him of We Care Ministries. Um, or when I talked to Eric Trump or Ann Coulter or any of the other people who've been on the show, you might think, I want to listen to that again, or I want to share something from that, or they mentioned a book I'm really interested in. You can scroll down at listen.stacyontheright.com and find all of those episodes, and they're on demand. You just listen, boom, you're done. You can also subscribe on iTunes. It's free. And then you'll get every new show in your iTunes library and you can listen on demand. You might be gardening and you just listen to the show and it's less than an hour. So, and we, and I know that we've talked about the two hours. The show was two hours. Mike Lindell. Yes, he's amazing. And, and um, I hope to have him on the show again. Um, he's the CEO of my pillow, but for now, and you know, for the foreseeable future, the one hour format means you actually get a whole show and then you can look forward to it the next day. And it's what we're able to do with everything that we have going on. Um, it's just been such a learning curve and it's been so amazing. And I'm, I'm so happy with the way things are turning out. But I, I just want to make sure you guys know it's, it's like baby steps, which if you think about it, here we are. My lips are actually matching the audio now. And that was something that we were working with for a couple of weeks. Now we, we have the lips matching the audio, you guys. So, you know, we're, we're doing it. We're, we're getting there. Um, Mainly, I'm just super excited about the fact that people are still here, not just watching the live stream on the different places, but also downloading the podcast. The numbers are pretty good. So please keep sharing the show. And also thank you to those who signed up to be Patreon supporters, monthly supporters, and people who are in supporting in other ways. Thank you so much for that. You can also follow me on Instagram and well, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's all Stacy on the right. You can find it. Um, so now let me see here. I wanted to go over a couple more things while we're, while we're in the mix. Um, and I know there's probably some, some new stories out there, but I have to stay on this for just another hot minute because we need this for the record. And if you have friends who are Republicans and they're like, you know, I really support the president, but I hate the things that he tweeted about, uh, about those chicks. Well, do they hate the things that those women have said about President Trump or even more? Do they hate the things that those women have said about Jewish people, Jewish Americans, Israel, the nation state? Have they do they hate what those women have said about Americans in general, like you and me, that we're all racist and bigots because we support the president? You know, them's fighting words right there. I am not going to sit back and let someone say I'm a racist without pointing out that they're just projecting, you know, come at we come at me with real arguments, get out your facts and your figures and your graphs and your charts, you know, come at me, come at me with a spreadsheet of some sort where you've actually sat down and thought something through or went to a website where other people thought stuff through like the Heritage Foundation, where experts, PhDs, doctors, you know, lawyers, they've all they've they've done the research and then you read it. And then you're like, you know what, Stacey, you're wrong about so-and-so. And I'd be perfectly willing to listen to that. In fact, I encourage that because iron sharpens iron. If you have information that rebuts something I've said on this show, by all means, bring that forward publicly. Share what you have with me so I can be educated and see your perspective and point of view. But if you if all you have is that I'm a racist, sit down. And I don't mean anywhere near me. Sit down and press your bottom lip to your top lip because you don't have anything to share. And I defy you. If you are in America right now and you're black and you're not killing it, that is your doing. It's not a magic white man in the sky. It's not a magic Asian man. It's not some guy down the street who is killing it, who's your neighbor, and you're wondering how did he just buy that boat? How did he just, how is his wife wearing all that blah, blah? If you're wondering that, you're wasting your time. Stop looking at other people. Stop looking at your own skin and set a plan out for yourself. Pray over it and ask the Lord to bless it and then start working. Prayer doesn't work on its own without you first saying, you know what? Whew, I got to do something. Okay. You know, what, what, do you, what do you want me to do, Lord? Like, can, can I even get anything done here? After you've prayed, get to work. If you're not doing anything, then that's why nothing is happening. 
And that's, that's, that's some tough love. It's okay. Don't worry. I, I care. I care. And I'm not here to tear people down unless you're an idiot. And then you're tearing yourself down. I'm just here to watch. Okay. So to wrap all this up with the president and what he, what he tweeted, which was the truth, by the way, he tweeted the truth and people who don't like hearing the truth, they have bigger problems than what president Trump tweeted. Cause I don't know if anybody noticed or not, but you don't have to read his tweets. So John Hinderaker at Powerline, here's a quote from him. He says, this is the headline in my hometown paper, the Minneapolis Star Tribune, and it will be the same in every newspaper across the country. Leave the U.S., Trump tells liberal congresswomen of color. So I don't know if you guys have noticed, but President Trump has survived many horrible headlines. He was painted as a Russian agent. They said that Vladimir Putin had his hand up President Trump's back and President Trump did, couldn't even control when he did anything. He, everything he did, if he even turned his head to the left or right, it was because Putin told him to do it. And now we found out that was just more nonsense, just like the polls that said 98% chance of Hillary winning, 2% chance of Trump winning. It was all nonsense from then to now, and it will be all nonsense on that side of the political aisle. Sorry if you're over there, but if you want to fix it, get over here with us and learn the truth. It's conventional wisdom. That they want to they want to make it so just the same way that liberals have changed the language on immigration. It used to be that illegal alien was understood to be the term for people who are in the country illegally because alien means non-citizen of another country. It doesn't mean alien like on Star Wars when, you know. Like things that don't look like humans would come a running and those are aliens. No, alien actually has a lawful definition and its meaning has been slowly adjusted. And so that's what liberals do. First, they change the meaning of the words. Now it's undocumented immigrant. Now that they've changed the meaning of the word in your mind and in the dictionaries and then the AP style book, they're moving over and now they want to change the legal definition, meaning everybody gets to live here. It's a matter of just all you have to do is get into America and then you have the right to do X, Y, and Z because you're there, not because you hold citizenship, because The thing with citizenship is it implies rights and responsibilities. And if you have rights and responsibilities, first of all, you're going to expect Democrats to deliver on their promises when they're campaigning. And if you have responsibilities, you're going to understand that you don't just get to come here and take, 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 take and live all like that, like like illegal aliens do. You actually get to come here and you're here as a citizen and you have responsibilities. You have to pay taxes. You have to participate in your government, local, state, and federal. And you have to be aware of what's going on in the country. You can't just watch CNN all day. So that's why they have to say, well, the squad, as they call themselves. And remember, again, meaning of words. So Taylor Swift coined this whole squad thing. Her friends were her squad. Squad is actually a designation for military and first responders, a squad of police, a squad of, of you know, EMTs. Those are people who actually go in and they're, they're heroes. They rescue people. They, they you know, fight wars. They, 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 they do cool stuff. They break stuff and blow stuff up. What they want you to think of when you hear the word squad is these four congresswomen and they want to imply that they're there to, you know, do cool stuff and heroic feats of bravery, but they're not. So if President Trump criticizes this so-called squad, then it must be because they're all people of color, not because they're idiots who say horrible things about Jews and white people, not because they're idiots who constantly rail against what this country is. And before you fix your mouth to say, well, if you love something, you want to improve it, love it or leave it is stupid because lots of Americans who are black loved America back when there was segregation and instead of leaving, they fixed it. Well, What they're talking about has nothing, it's not even in the same universe as blacks marching peacefully to fix segregation. So don't try me. I'm tired of these 'er ne'er-do-wells misappropriating the language of the civil rights movement for their pet causes that have zero to do with innate characteristics and everything to do with mental illness and how somebody feels and what they want, what new social policy they want to experiment on us with. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of them experimenting on Americans. We are not lab rats. We are people and we want to be left alone as the Constitution has promised us we would be to pursue the pursuit of happiness, which means get out of my backyard, get off my lawn, stay out of my business, federal government. 
So remember back when Barack Obama was the president, if you said anything against him, you were racist. Not a racist. Racist. I even used to type it out on Twitter that way. And after white Americans were bludgeoned over the head with being racist for eight years because Barack Hussein Obama was, you know, their overlord, the term has kind of lost its power. In fact, a lot of white Americans, when they hear racism, they just immediately, they shut down. They sh- and when I say they shut down, they keep on doing whatever they're doing. They've just shut down listening to you. They're not listening anymore because they know racism doesn't mean anything anymore. And there is legitimate racism. Sometimes it occurs in this country, of course, because racism is a sin and, a, and human beings are not done sinning. Jesus is not back. Humans will sin. People will make mistakes. Just like lying isn't done. Neither is racism. But no one's talking about it in any substantial way because it has largely been relegated to the activity of people who literally they don't care anything about their public life because being deemed a racist in public legitimately in the private sector is a career ender. So people who don't like the way the president talks, people who think he's a vulgarian, I love it when they unearth some really a beautiful piece of American linguistics, the word vulgarian. I mean, American language is so beautiful. We have so many different descriptors for the same things. And each of them can be used depending on its usage and tone and the words that you couple it with the, you know, the adjectives, adverbs, etc., can be even made more strong or weak in its usage. And so the term vulgarian should be used on someone who truly is vulgar in the extreme, not someone who really is just, hey, I see a city that's full to the brimming with human defecation. That's not American. And that's the fault of the Democrats. That's not vulgar. That's an accurate observation of the land as it lay in in San Francisco and Los Angeles. The four women that he said claim that they can fix this country do come from, they hail from failed countries, and all of them should be thanking their lucky stars to be a part of this country. They should be grateful to America that we took their refugee tales in here. We don't have to take in refugees. Now, I know the Bible says we to be kind to the widow and the poor, and we do that. We do it better than any other country on the face of this planet. But if there's ever going to be a moment where we pull back a second and say, uh, 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 you just got here. Sit down. We don't need you changing hundreds of years of constitutional loveliness because you've got the headscarf of oppression tied on a little bit too tight. And so the president says that and all of a sudden it's a problem. So. It's true. President Trump could have sat back and said, well, let me let this infighting amongst the Democrats play itself out. But then Nancy Pelosi, see, she was in the in the process of decoupling herself and her party. You heard her. We covered it here on the show. She said they only have four votes. In other words, each of them has one vote in the caucus because they are Congress people. And no matter how much hay they make on Twitter or Instagram, they only have one vote when it comes down to passing or stopping legislation from being passed. And so she was about to minimize them and put them in their place. And Donald Trump was like, nah, uh, uh, you going to learn today. Those belong to you. They're the face of your party. And I'm going to make sure every American knows it. And Republicans have a problem with that. Maybe they want to lose in 2020, but I don't. Thank you, President Trump. And thank you, Righteously American. Back tomorrow.